0: give grace to the humble. So I ask you, God, to do a deep work in my heart and break me. Break me of my pride. Break me of my selfishness. Break me of anything that keeps me from knowing you. As hard as it is to ask God, do whatever it takes to break me. Well, welcome to the second week in our series, Dangerous Prayers. And so last week we started this series by praying the prayer, Search Me. And so I encouraged you last week to every day kind of think about and pray that prayer uh, that we detailed last week. If you did not catch it, you can catch the uh, podcast online and on our uh, website, but I've been praying the past week every day, search me, God, and that's one of those dangerous prayers that if you really ask God, what you're saying is, evaluate me, help me to see, put that mirror in front of me and show me, God, where I'm at, who I am and what you want in me and through me, that is pretty dangerous. Um, If you are open to God speaking to you and changing you and moving you, that can be dangerous and so we are talking about these dangerous prayers prayers that are ones that if said if meant if really fully engaged move us and change us not the kind of prayers that are like ones that we say god change everybody else but prayers that say who when i pray this God is going to do something in my life. And that's uncomfortable, right? That is scary. That is dangerous. And this prayer today, Break Me, is probably the most dangerous prayer out of all three. And one that I would say, man, I hope I'm ready for it. And some of us may say, I don't know if I am ready for it. It's uh, My son, I was talking to him this past week, every Sunday we have a, our kids lesson is designed around the same theme as our adult lesson, and so they have the same Bible verses and and you're able to go home and talk to them uh, about those things. And so my son came home and he was like, Dad, I got a question for you. And I was like, okay, all right, shoot. And he said, why would we pray dangerous prayers That doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I thought we should pray, you know, and he's thinking, I thought we should pray for things that are safe, right? We should pray for safety. And that's what we pray a lot, right? God, keep us safe. God, keep us safe. God, keep us safe. And then, Dad, you're showing up and telling me, he didn't say all this, I'm, I'm, I'm adding some things, okay? But you're asking us to say dangerous prayers? That makes no sense. Well, it reminded me of two things. Number one, I got to be careful when I'm writing the children's lesson that, you know, kids take things very literally, particularly my son. So we got to make sure that we explain those allegories. But also something else is this, is that we live in a society, and in a world that is doing everything we can to avoid pain, right? Right? We live in this world, and when we raise our kids, we're out there, they're out like playing around, and we're like, be careful, that could be dangerous, be careful, like they're in the kitchen, like scissors and knives, be careful, don't run in the house, be careful, be careful, buckle up, be careful, and that is the world that kids grow up in, particularly in this day and age. It's kind of like our bubble-wrapped world that we wrap our kids in and we wrap ourselves in sometimes to like kind of stay safe, to avoid pain, to avoid difficulty, and we'll go to great lengths to do so. And so today, I'm telling you something that is extremely counterintuitive, something that is... Challenging that almost all of us naturally would resist praying the prayer, God, break me. Think about that. God, and it's almost as if we're saying a prayer, God, inflict something upon me that I wish, you know, that I would not like choose myself. That is dangerous, right? That is bold, However, that is something to get to the next point, to get to the next maybe level in your relationship with God. I'm not talking about having any relationship with God, but to really go deep and go dangerously deep, I think it's a necessary prayer. It's a necessary thing, but it's not for the faint of heart and it's not something um, that we should just uh, casually move into we are in the world of avoiding pain and avoiding difficulty and avoiding struggle saying a prayer like this is saying God do whatever you need to do in me to get me to the place that I need to be even if it's going through what I don't necessarily want to go through so Let's talk about that a little bit, and uh, thank you, Tim, for setting up kind of our message perfectly. And uh, we are going to read a story that Tim alluded to in Mark chapter fourteen. So, if you go with me, and in this, uh, it's going to come up on the screen, but we'll read. Um, I'll read it along as well. Uh, Mark chapter fourteen, starting in verse three, says this: It's talking about Jesus while he was in Bethany. Reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you, you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Really amazing um, passage and kind of a confusing one. And one that is like one that even us adults that understand some of the imagery and allegory could say, uh, "You really? This is a good idea? This was a good idea. Um, for us to do this in this moment in time. There's a woman that comes and just absolutely wastes uh, a year's worth of salary. Uh, pouring it on Jesus. And it uh, says here in this account, pouring it on his head. In the other accounts, there, it's, it's listed in a couple places in scripture. It talks about his feet too. It seems like, you know, all over the place. That she just wasted a bunch of stinking perfume. Just wasted it all. Does that make a lot of sense? Okay? Maybe we're hard on this group of people that, that like. sometimes we're like, of course, if I was there, I would have been on Jesus' side. I would have said, oh, of course, what a beautiful act. You know, how, how wonderful. And for, all, for you know the rest of time, people will remember this story because it was so beautiful and all this. Give me a break. All of us probably, if you were there, right? Be like, what the heck is she doing? This is ridiculous. This is wasteful. For me, I hate waste. Anybody else? Like, I hate waste. I hate it. Um, I'm trying to eat healthier, but the thing I can't handle is, like, people, like, wasting food. And so, like, my family, this is, this is the torture I've been going through. This is how God has been breaking me. This is really difficult stuff. Okay, but my wife will make, like, a meal with rice. For the kids and then she'll make me cauliflower rice okay and i'm trying to eat cauliflower rice because i need to cut down on some rice and other things and um i'll be there and i'll eat my plate of cauliflower rice um that doesn't go quite as quite as fast as other things like especially in my past eating habits but be eating it and then my kids will take like a quarter spoonful of stuff and it'll be sitting there and then like it's time to put everything away and it's like these giant mounds of rice that like sit there in the fridge for a day or two and I'm like somebody's got to eat this I don't want to throw it away and so I you know I end up eating the rice. Um, that's, that's, that's how... Because I just... I hate that idea of any kind of waste, right? Hate it when you think like, what a waste that is. What a waste it is to do this. And this woman wastes a year's salary. Like if, she, if you had a friend that did this, you would think they were crazy. It's like like they blew a year's salary in a day. Like going to Vegas and going crazy for like a, I mean, like that's kind of how it feels in this story. And Jesus says, what a beautiful thing. But you see the pictures that are taking place here, and we need to understand what is taking place even beyond that, is that the the images that it says here, is that she takes this precious gift, breaks it, she breaks the jar, and she pours it on Jesus. There's some some pretty important things that are going on right here and Jesus alludes to it and I don't even know if she's fully aware but this is a prophetic moment in time where she is giving a picture for us and we can fully understand it just a little bit later if we continue to read on and so let's read on in verse 22 and 24. This is familiar stuff for you says this, just in the same chapter. Later on, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, this is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them. And they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them. So what does Jesus say? Immediately after, immediately after, he uses the same words. He says, This is broken, and this is poured for you. Now, now, sometimes for us, we participate in communion weekly to remember the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us. The incredible thing that Jesus did, the incredible act that Jesus did to be broken. For us, right? His body was broken and his blood was poured out, broken and poured out. But that's hard to relate to. That, that is a picture of the divine. That is a picture of God. That is a picture of, wow, God did that for us. Amazing. I couldn't do that. But the picture that precedes it is a picture that all of us can re- recognize and realize that that's what God can call us to. That the woman comes, breaks the jar, and pours out the valuable gift of perfume to Jesus. And there's, I think there's important things that, that these symbols represent. The, the, the breaking represents, and it's, it's important, that she was giving up her past. She was giving up on her past. She was giving up on all the things that she came to that moment. She came to that time. You know, all of the sins of her past. And not to get into all the detail, but this woman had sins in her past. And she is coming and she is in this moment broken before Jesus. Broken. And that's a moment that I think we need to get to. There's a moment in time in our life that we get, have to get to where we make peace with our sinful past. And I'm not talking about making peace in a way where we just like, forget it, don't learn from it, don't, you know, whatever. And the reality is, is we have to face the consequences of that sometimes for the rest of our life. But she had to be broken. And we all have to be broken from those things in the past. We have to, we have to, Be willing to make peace with what has gone on before us. You know, if we continue to live our life with an affront where we're saying, you know, like, I'm okay. It's all right. There's, you know, I I can handle it on my own. And if we continue just to fight to keep it together and they're never willing to have that moment of true humility and brokenness. It is very hard for us to ever approach God. It is. It's hard for us to ever approach God. Because what the brokenness does is it's a total acceptance that it's God that can only forgive my sins. It's a total acceptance of grace that has been offered and given to us. It's a total acceptance that I... In faulted and flawed and without God, I am in trouble. The brokenness is really important. And, and maybe we can't relate to Jesus being dying on the cross, and I don't think that's what God is calling us to, but he points us back to this prophetic picture of a woman who brings everything she has and breaks it. This is everything I've had in my past. And really, what she's bringing to Jesus is everything she's saved up. This is, this is her life's work. This is all of her wages and savings. And it very well be, could be, it seems as though, the way she earned these savings was not in necessarily a good way. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. This is what she brings. This is what I've earned with my life. And she breaks it. There needs to be maybe a moment in time for each of us where we come to grips with the fact that it is just God's world. All the achievements, all of the things we've done in our past cannot bring us to a point where we're okay. Where you're okay. And sometimes you need to be broken. At some point in time, we need to be broken and be willing to give up on our past. Give up on all we've worked towards. Give up on all of it and say, God, it's rubbish. I need you. The second thing she does, though, is she pours it. She gives up, and this is an Uh, an interesting picture as well that all of her savings all of the provisions all of the wealth that she has attained up into this point and will carry her on into the future she gives that all up too she pours it all out she pours it out and says it's gone I don't recommend that you that you dump your 401k and pour it all out okay I don't recommend that But understand the imagery and picture and the spiritual significance of that moment where she is saying, all that I've come to in my past is broken. All that I have saved for my future is yours. It's all gone. It's all yours. Broken and poured out. And this is the exact words that Jesus uses. When he breaks the bread and he pours, and he, he we take the cup broken and poured out you know this is this is a this is a dangerous dangerous road to go down to actually say a prayer that says god break me god i'm broken and poured out all of my past is is yours i give up all of my future is yours the journey that i've been on over the last several years i can i can relate so much to this and i've been praying um this past week as i encourage you to to you know just pray search me god search me search my anxious thoughts god search you know, any offensive way in me, God, and lead me, and that's the prayer that we talked about last week from Psalm 139, and I've been praying it every day, and asking it every day, and thinking about those anxious thoughts that I've had, and been praying those things out, and, 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 and this particular message this week is one that I was kind of preparing and thinking about from a distance because I wasn't quite prepared to fully personally embrace it yet. I've been praying the prayer, search me, and I feel a little bit more comfortable with that one. But this one is a little bit more personal, a little bit more difficult. And this past week, I realized that I am in real need of this particular Prayer, and um, uh, this is kind of the journey I've been going down, and I, I, I want to share it with you a little bit. Um, uh, I don't want to make it all about me, but this is the journey that we all kind of have to move towards and go down in our own ways, if we're open to God just being in complete control, open to being broken. So, over the last several years, I've had uh, we've had many ups and downs with this church with our church plan okay and so I remember back years and years ago before this school was even built before our neighborhood was even here um, I was preparing and thinking about from the state of Florida where I was an assistant pastor coming back to where I grew up here in Aurora and starting a church uh, my father and some of the churches around this area were helping us and encouraging us towards that. So I began researching and looking at neighborhoods. I knew about the golf course out here, Murphy Creek, and all these different things. And so I was just kind of thinking, man, that eastern side of Aurora it's really going to start growing. And there's not churches out there. What should, you know, all this types of stuff. So, so about eight years ago, way before this church was even started and things, I stumbled across a guy that was start, starting a church in the Murphy Creek neighborhood called the Journey Church. And I stumbled across, and I gave him a phone call. I was like, hey, tell me, tell me what's going on in East Aurora. Tell me, what's, tell me what's going on. And I remember talking to this guy, and he was completely defeated, completely defeated. He said, you know what? We've been having a church here for seven years. And he said, don't, don't start a church out in East Aurora. He said, don't do it, man. He said it's 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 brutal. He said I I started the church and like things would go good and then everybody moves away. And then like we go a little bit and everybody's move away. We got all these Air Force people. We got like different people moving in and out the neighborhood. There's like nothing out here. And like it just don't even do it. Go somewhere else. Go pick another neighborhood. It's brutal. It's horrible. And I was like, dude, thanks for the thanks for the phone call. What an encouraging guy and all this stuff. I was like, and I remember getting off the phone with a guy and said, what a wimp. And I'm like, what a wimp. What is this guy? Ye of little faith. Come on, dude. There needs to be churches out in East Aurora. There's no, no other churches out there. Man, what a wimp. He's whining about this. You know what? He's not as talented as the reverend Tyler John Hedick. You know what? He, he probably, probably could learn a thing or two from me, so uh, you know what? When I come to town, we'll teach him a thing or two. Well, inevitably, we moved back to Aurora, and we uh, started the search, and started thinking about different things. Uh, Decided to uh, start a church in East Aurora, a mile, a couple miles away from the journey church that was actually about to close down and it did close down that year and uh, i was like all right well we'll show them you you had your shot we'll show them how it's done we're ready to rock and roll maybe i'll call him up in a couple of years and and like just just tell them, hey you wimp you know <laughs> uh look at look at all the stuff that we've done and I remember driving into this neighborhood for the very first time and seeing like dirt being moved for the Vista Peak School and like stuff like that. And I was like, this is it. This is it. But I want to live in the neighborhood that I'm going to be a church in. I want to like meet my next door neighbor. I want to like hang out. I want my kids to go to the school. I want to be involved in the community. That's like a non-negotiable for me. I don't think I can buy a house in the neighborhood. Amazingly enough, I qualified for a house. I wouldn't today. But in that time... I was like, "Wow, okay, uh, wow, this is working out. This is gonna, this is working out." And like, the Journey Church, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, they, they got some scraps left over. They can come and check out the, the cool stuff Reverend Tyler Hedick is bringing every Sunday morning. And I remember those were really some of my thoughts those were really some of the things that I was going through. Some of the things that maybe some of all of us go through at some time or another where we say, you know what, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch the world on fire. I'm pretty amazing. I'm pretty spectacular. And then all of a sudden there's moments in time where it's like, I'm not all that spectacular. I remember as we started, we we connected with some people right away and I I went to PTA meetings, boring PTA meetings and all kinds of stuff. And I remember meeting a family and, and they started coming to church and some other people started coming to the church and it was great. And then this is what happened. On a regular basis, I remember one of the very first families that started coming to our church uh, met at a PTA meeting. And they were a fantastic family, wonderful neighbors of ours and everything. And they came to me and uh, one day and they, they said, hey, Tyler, we need to talk. I was like, what's up? I said, we're moving. And over the years, I counted it up this, this week. We've had 30, over 30 families that have been a part of our church that have given me the same phone call. And have said hey we love the church and everything but we're moving to Georgia we're moving to Oregon we're moving to Alaska we're moving to Kansas we're moving to California we're moving to Texas and you know what we have as many people in Texas as we have here I have a bigger we have a bigger church in the state of Texas than we have in Aurora because of all the people thinking people that have moved to Texas and and, you know, it was, it was one of those weird things that would go on that, like, every year it seemed like, like we'd have our Easter and Easter would be great. And then, like, it wouldn't be, like, but a couple of days later I'd get a phone call after Easter. Hey, we got to talk. And this year, one of the hardest calls, a couple of the hardest calls that I've had um, came up again. And um, uh, some of our friends, and we have some families that are about to move, the Richters who are here that are about to move to stinking Texas. We got a great satellite church uh, all over this whole state of Texas um, are moving to Texas. And uh, Amy and Aaron Saunders, who have been such a really, really important part of our church, um, uh, are moving to Texas, and they're there. They're there today looking for houses. Um, house shopping, and Aaron's got a new job that's transferring him there. Um, and this one made me mad. Okay, I'm just I'm just telling you kind of my my own journey. We all go through our own journeys, right? This one made me mad because you know for the last year it's been wonderful having Tim and Hannah have been here, and they're planning on moving to moving uh, to Boulder, to start a church and doing all these wonderful things, and we were excited about that, and here was my plan. The plan was, and some people knew about this, that Tim and Hannah would move, and then Amy would move into some of that role as like an assistant pastor. She started to go to school. She started to follow a call to ministry. She preached on New Year's Day, and she was going to start becoming a role as a, pers- a staff person in her church, and like work on some of the music stuff. And this was like, this was like all coming together for years and it was like a big, big deal. And like, I felt like this was, this was it. And she said, we're moving. I'm like, what the heck? What the heck is going on? Like another, another family? And it's like, God, Remember back all those years ago when, like, I was telling everybody how great everything was going to be and how wonderful I was. And wh- how come it feels like every time we take two steps forward, we take three steps back? And if you've, if you've ever had moments in your life like that where it's like, I I would like to hold it together and fight to hold it together and say, like, it's... You know, I I can control this. And, you know, um, I heard this quote that, you know, we really, we impress people with our strengths. You know, like the strength to hold it together and say, I got it all figured out. And we, we do that. But really, how we connect with others is in our weaknesses. And there's moments in time where you just have to say, God, it's beyond me. I can't do it. I'm I, I'm I'm confused. I'm broken, and and like I need help here. So we all go through this journey. Journey church, that's kind of funny. Um, we all, all go through. We all go through this journey where we like think. Like, this is the way it's going to be. This is how it should be. And there needs to be a point in time where we are open to, like, saying a very scary, dangerous prayer. God, break me. I'm taking everything that I've brought to this point in time, and it's all yours. All the stuff that I have planned in the future, I'm pouring it all out. And I'm letting it go. My life Bible verse. This is my life Bible verse. I heard it when I was in high school. And it's something that like seared deep into me. It was something that I couldn't get away from. And it's become my life verse. It's Acts 20, 24. And it's this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me that I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And he was talking about the task that he had been given was going and proclaiming to people what the meaning of life was. That there is a God, there is forgiveness, there is hope, there is a path in your life that you can follow. I consider my life worth nothing. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to proclaim this to people because that is the most important thing. And I remember hearing that verse and it changed my life. As I was pursuing and wanting to do all kinds of different things, wanting to pursue athletics, wanting to pursue different like, uh, careers where I'd make, make more money or whatever it may be. And I remember this verse seared into my mind and it was something that I couldn't get away from. That there's something more your life should be about. Consider your life worth nothing to you. Have it completely poured out. That you may testify to the gospel of God's grace. And I was like, I remember hearing that verse and just being blown away by it, to be completely broken and take away all of the things that I had envisioned and planned and give it to God. And let me be clear about this. I think the reason that is my life first is not because I have it figured out, it's because it's a reminder that I need. And it's really hard to pray that prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's really hard. It's not, a, it's not a life verse for me because, like, I've mastered it or figured it out or I've been completely able to give everything away to God and be okay. It's because God knows that's a dangerous prayer. That's a dangerous thing to say. And it's scary and it's hard. And so I need that is a verse that, like, stays with me. It's a give-it-all-to-God kind of prayer. I want to tell you that I think that it's very possible, and I'm not saying this, uh, I'm saying this with all sincerity. It's very possible that some of us are, That that's too bold, too dangerous of a prayer right now that you're able to engage in there you you have a couple more steps before you're able to get there and so that's possible last week one of the portions of our prayer says says show me any offensive way in me so maybe for some of us some of you here in the room here's where you could start with this dangerous prayer like kind of step one is say god Break me in that area, the offensive ways in me. There's sins in your life. I'm willing to, like, try to make peace with the past, that part, the first part of it, and start there. But I can't neglect to tell you that over and over in Scripture, there's something more that some people are willing to go. Some, a place that some people are dangerously willing to venture. And it's dangerous. And they say, break me and pour everything out. Everything that I have, I'm willing to give it up. All the plans, all of it, it's all for you. It's dangerous. It's not something that you will uh, typically hear from people. Being open for God to, in some ways, stretch you beyond stretching. For you to be open to face some pain, to face some struggle, pay, face some difficulty, face some sacrifice. But what does Jesus say about this woman? says, this is beautiful. What a beautiful thing. This woman would be willing to give it all away. What a beautiful thing. And don't, if anybody, anybody out here says, that's crazy, that's ridiculous, that is over the top, you shouldn't do that. If anybody says that, stop it. That's beautiful. Somebody that's willing to give it all for God. Broken and pourn out. That's big. The reality is is that each and every one of us in life, really, we're going to be broken one way or another. Life is going to break us. life is going to be beyond our control. But to venture down this territory and to start to say this prayer is allowing God. To have his way. So if you're brave enough, and I understand, like, this is kind of high-level stuff. Maybe you need to start with just saying, God, what are those offensive ways in me? What are those areas in my life, those sins that I need to correct and I need to change and I need to repent of? Maybe that's where you start, but this is a picture that the scripture gives us. Somebody that is hoping to give it all away. Will you pray with me? God, these kinds of prayers are dangerous. They're scary. It's terrifying when I talk about it and think about it because I know I have so far to go. But God, I am open. I am open for you to be in complete control of my life. And if there's things I need to give up, if there's plans that need to step aside, God, I give it to you. I want you to take a moment on your own right now, and if you if you feel like you're up to it, you can pray that prayer. God, break me, break me of my pride, break me of my sin. God, break me of the things that I have planned, and I give it all over to you. I'll tell you what I'm doing over the next few uh, days and weeks. I'll be praying this prayer every day, but I felt like this one in particular, I needed some more time. So I took the day off work tomorrow, and I'm going to spend the day kind of praying and thinking. and Because this is a big one. This is a hard one. Maybe you need to commit to God right now that you're going to need to take some time, set some time aside, and be open to praying a dangerous prayer and... Wherever that leads, be willing to follow it. So take a moment right now and just open your heart up to whatever God may be asking of you.